We're so glad that you're here today and you've joined us. We know that some are away today because it's the Great South Run. I was thinking about doing it. But then Proverbs 28 says, the wicked run when no one's chasing them. But the righteous are bold as a lion. So I said, okay, Lord, okay. If I'm going to live true to your word, then even though everything in me knows I should run, I'm not going to run because no one's chasing me. Brilliant. Hope you're all doing good today. We're going to carry on. We're in a series called Tuned In. And we're just taking a few weeks to talk together about being tuned in to God's voice. Because God is speaking. The question is often, are we listening? Or are we tuned in to the frequency that he's speaking to us on? So we started last week looking at this new series. And we looked at the subject of, are we listening? Because John 10, verse 10, or John 10 says that his sheep know his voice. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. But if you read through John, it says that his sheep know his voice. And we're going to be looking at that verse a few, in a few weeks' time. But also the Bible says in the book of John that he doesn't speak to us as servants, but he speaks to us as friends. So we've got to make sure that we're tuned into the voice of God and we're listening for the direction of a shepherd but also the voice of a friend. Sometimes people can't hear God because they're waiting for a judgmental voice that's going to condemn them. That's not the voice of God. See, the, the Bible doesn't bring us into a realm of condemnation. Conviction, yes, because the Lord speaks to us as a father and raises us to be the best that we can be. But when we're listening for God, we've got to make sure, like we learned last week, that we're not just trying to tune in to God's voice or God's frequency, but we're understanding that we need to tune out from other frequencies or sounds because life can be so loud, can't it? Can't it? Is that English? Can't it? Can't it? Life can be so loud. It's like sometimes we get used to noise and we can't hear like we could. I was dropping the kids off at Somewhere, I think it was youth on Friday night. And you know what it's like, parents, when you get in the car, you're enjoying a bit of silence, then your kids get in, and the radio gets turned up or something, and suddenly it's dun, 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 the whole car's moving. And you're kind of feeling a lot older driving it, like, this is just noisy. Why can't we have ABBA? At least you can hear the words, you know? You know, what, what are they even saying? Boom, boom, boom. And, and suddenly you drop the kids off, but you forget to turn the radio off. And you're driving home on your own as a parent, Boom, 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 boom. The windows are still throbbing. You know, people are looking at you as you're driving past them. And then suddenly you say, wait a moment. My kids, I've dropped them off. What am I doing? And you turn off that boom, 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 boom. And suddenly you're like, silence fills the car. And I'm like, no wonder sometimes we can't hear God. We're surrounded with noise. Now, that's an example of young people in the car. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I can blast it too. The moment I'm going down the road and I hear, where's Nikki? She loves this song. We will, we will. Where's Nikki? She, she was like a star last week at that point. You know, we all sing along to stuff. But what I'm trying to say is sometimes we can't hear ourselves think because of noise around us. And sometimes we need to tune out from the noise around us, not to hear ourselves think that can be a loud sound that's wrong sometimes but here 
him speak. So we've been looking at the purpose of tuning out from other sound with a heart that wants to hear the voice of the shepherd, the voice of the God who calls us friend, but also how we've got a sometimes purpose in our hearts if we want to hear God and his will and his ways for our life. We've got to become non-conformist. We've got a purpose in our heart that we're not going to conform to the sounds or the patterns of this world when they disagree with the ways of God. You've got to draw a line in the sand and say, there's a lot of wisdom in this life. There's a lot of wisdom in some of the philosophies of this life. But also in some of the thinking of this life, it's not God. It's anti-God. It's anti-God's ways. So I'm purposing in my life, I'm not going to conform to the ways of the world that I'm living in. When they disagree or stand in the face of the way that God tells me with his word and his still quiet voice, I should be living. When we do that, we become like Daniel. How many people remember Daniel in the Bible? It says that Daniel was brought into a kingdom that was not his kingdom. It was Babylon. It was a place called Babylon. And that was a good song, wasn't it? By the rivers of Babylon. Anyway, moving on. How many people actually remember that song? Am I like the oldest person in the room? No, I've got friends. That's great. Now, Daniel was brought into Babylon, but Babylon wasn't his kingdom. It wasn't where he was from. And Babylon had different ways of living. They had delicacies and patterns of life that were contrary to how he'd been raised as a child, knowing and walking with God. But it says that Daniel said, no, I'm not going to submit or go with the patterns of Babylon. I'm going to stay true to living like my God has taught me to live. We need to be like that in a world. We're in the world, but we're not of this world. And when the ways of this world that are influenced by the God of this age, small g, begin to disagree with how God says that we should live out our lives, we need to purpose to not be polite, but to be non-conformist. No, I'm not going down your road. No, I'm not eating your delicacies. No, it may be fashion but no thanks. I'm going God's way in my life. As for me and my house, we're not going to serve religion, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to live true to God's ways of living, even if it doesn't make me popular, even if I'm not politically correct. I never set out to be politically correct. I set out to be true to God. And to raise my life and my family in his ways, which means sometimes you've got to be non-conformist to do that. Boy, getting into a little bit of preach there, nearly got an organ going at the moment there. It was warming up. So let's look at the verses that we were looking at last week, because these are going to be threaded through everything that we say. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's incredible mercy... To offer your lives now as living sacrifices, holy, that's what he's done, pleasing, that's what we bring to the table, to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good is pleasing and is perfect will. Come on, why are we here today? Because we want to know God's will for our life. We want to know the pleasing, good, perfect will of God for every section of our lives. Any friends? Well, the Bible says we have to not conform to other patterns to achieve that incredible goal that's available. Now, it contains a don't be, but also a very clear be. Don't be conformed to this world when it disagrees with the ways of God, but be transformed by the renewing 
of your thinking. Let God's word replace stuff in your thinking that's wrong, and your life will be renewed. Now, here's where I want to go today. When we begin to say, yes, God, I want to hear your voice. When we begin to say, yes, God, I want to tune out from other noise to hear you, the voice of my shepherd, the voice of my friend, you're going to suddenly have another situation that you're going to need to make a decision. Because when you hear God's thoughts for your lives, they can challenge old thoughts or old beliefs that you had about your life before you were a follower of Jesus. So we can say, Lord, I want to know your thoughts. Lord, I want to know your perfect will. Lord, I want to know your thoughts for my life. Brilliant, God answers prayer, amen. But when his thoughts come into your world, they can come in sometimes pleasing and nice and fluffy and you just want to sit down with friends and eat some candy floss. Other times, they challenge you. They challenge you. My thought for this is this, but this is how you've been thinking about this. And so suddenly, if we're going to say, God, I want to hear your voice, we've got to put some, we've got to put some skin on that. We've got to put some muscle on that and say, I want to hear your voice even when I don't like what I'm hearing. Even when my soul that lives for the moment and the satisfaction of the moment, it lives for what I want. Suddenly when my soul gets offended, what am I going to do in that moment? Let me read again from the Passion Translation. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So apparently, an internal turning of our world supernaturally is the result of us allowing the Lord to play with our minds. Right? Play with thinking where it's wrong. Now, this will empower you to be able to discern God's will so that you can live a beautiful life. So we choose to be inwardly transformed and the transformation is a total reformation and it comes from allowing the Lord to change our thinking, replace our thoughts with his thoughts. We experience when we determine, Lord, I want to hear your voice but also live true to your voice. We experience what I would call a recalibration of our thoughts that affects the actions of our life. But it's a recalibration not done by guilt or religion, but by God himself. God gives his Holy Spirit to teach us the ways of the Father. But if we're not teachable, our arrogance and our ignorance, or us wanting to live true to how we lived before, even when it was contrary to God, supersedes any plans that God may have for your life. Now, I know that's nobody here. The recalibration that God brings in our life that causes, according to his word, a transformation, it's in our thinking. It's in our thinking. So thoughts are powerful. We're going to look at that next week, how thoughts determine directions in your life, negative and positive, just to give you a little appetizer for next week. So when we read through, second, when we read through Romans 12, Two key words jump out that we need to understand in a non-casual way. The first word is the word transformed, and that's the Greek word metamorpho, metamorpho. And uh, that's the word that was used for those that used to watch The Incredible Hulk back in the 70s and the 80s. How scary was that when the guy's eyebrows, he fell behind, you know, it was, now you've got to understand you're talking to somebody that watched three channels. And then they invented Channel 4, and it was like a revolution. 
four channels. Are you kidding me? All that choice? Yeah, we may have had less channels, at least we had stuff to watch. Anyway, moving on. I can remember when the series The Hulk came out. Now I watch it and I'm like, cheese fest, what was the problem? But to me, I was a kid then, and, and it was like, oh no, I know what's going to happen. David Banner's going to go into a pub, and he's going to just not want any trouble, but some village idiot's going to come up to him and punch him in the face, and he's going to fall behind the bar, and then the music's going to change. You're going to go, hee, then it's going to zoom in on his eyes. Zoom, and you always knew there was something wrong with him when it zoomed in on his eyes. But suddenly what jumped up from behind the bar wasn't the mild-mannered man that got hit and fell behind it, but this incredible green monster. And he always threw everybody around, smashed the pub up, and that was a day in the life of the Incredible Hulk. But in the advert, I always remember it saying this, and you probably remember it too, because this was Saturday night viewing for me. And whenever he gets angry, a strange metamorphosis occurs. Anyone else remember that? It's like David Banner was exposed to an overdose of gamma radiation. And whenever he gets angry, a strange metamorphosis, strange, I'd say so, the eyebrows scared me. They were huge, they were vast, endless, monsters on his face. But when we looked at the Incredible Hulk, we said, that's not normal. No, it was a metamorphosis, it was a supernatural change beyond what can natural happen by our own results. That's the word that God's using for what he wants to do with our lives by his word. He wants his word to come into our lives and challenge and offend things that we've been believing to cause a supernatural change. That's the word metamorpho, transformed. But the second word that we look at there is the word renewed, and that's a little bit harder to pronounce. It's anaka enusis. All right, don't, I'm not looking for you to repeat that, and please don't ask me to. But it means a renewal, a renovation, a complete change for the better. Never for the worse. So when we allow God's word to challenge our thinking, the Holy Spirit to teach us God's word, we experience a supernatural change that happens from the inside out that causes a renewal, which means we end up with a life that was better than we could have ever built for ourselves. So here's a good question. Are we actually brainwashed? Because I've heard people say that to me when I've said to them, I'm a Christian, right? I believe in Jesus. Sometimes they're very polite, but other times people will go, you're brainwashed. And I'm like, am I brainwashed? Well, if I am, at least I know who's doing the washing. <laughs> am I brainwashed? No, I'm transformed. To you who don't know God, it may look like I'm being brainwashed, but to those who do know God and me living in this body, I'm not being brainwashed. As you, my critic, would say, I'm being supernaturally transformed and I would never want to go back to the life I once had. It's certainly a form of washing, but it's cleaning up a mind that was corrupt. Come on, when we come to God in one way or another, for me in many ways, my mind was messed up of how I viewed things that were true, pure, correct, lovely, kind. What God does is he steps into that and begins to help you to think thoughts that are different and your thoughts will always determine your directions. So let's face it, we've all had minds, all right? I'm sure we can all agree, we've all had minds that needed a good scrub, right? All right, let's play on the screen everything you thought this last week and see who doesn't go, whoops. 
We've all had minds that have not had good thinking. When we bring our lives to God and say, I want to hear you, we've got to be ready for God to step into that place called our thinking and challenge some of the thoughts that are wrong and replace them with new. Like I said, everyone's brainwashed by something. Some people are brainwashed by the philosophies of his age. Now, it says in Colossians, the philosophies of his age can make you a prisoner. Everybody's allowing something or someone to influence their thinking. Like I said before, my confidence is you can call it brainwashing, but at least I know who, the one who's doing the scrubbing. At least I can trust the one who's working on my thinking. Because you can't trust people in this world. I wouldn't put your hands in your mind in their hands. Another truth is everyone is in a place of transition in their lives. And the transition of your life is dependent upon how you're going to continue to think. Now, to keep doing the same thing and to keep thinking the same thing, expecting a different result, is a definition of insanity. To walk around in circles doing the same thing, expecting a different result, is insanity. It's like if I went to somebody's house for a Sunday dinner. You know, people kind of stopped inviting us when we had five kids. When we had one, it was fine, but it was like, seven of them? Get out of here, our budget won't hold that. But sometimes you go to people's houses and they'd make you an apple pie and, you know, you think, lady, you should get an award. Or man should get an award for that. Other times, not so good. I'd gone to people's house and they brought out their apple pie from the recipe their great-grandmother handed down to them. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. I don't even want to think what Gordon Ramsay would say about it. I don't even want to think how he would describe it. It wouldn't be good. But the thing is, do I say something or not? Do I say, listen, my, my dear, don't want to offend you, but the apple pie is bad. It's bad. I think you're using salt instead of sugar or something. Now, if I care about others, I'm going to say something because the next person that comes for dinner at that house is going to get that same apple pie. So as I've got to care for the people, maybe I would say something. Maybe I'd be a scaredy cat and not. But if she keeps using the same ingredients, the same temperature, the same oven, the same measurements, she can reproduce that pie time and time and time again. The only way to change the pie is to change the ingredients. God brings his word into our hearts when he speaks to us. It changes the ingredients of our life and it produces a better pie. Can someone say amen? amen. So if we're talking about our, our, our minds being washed, what water does God use? That's a good word, isn't it? Well, the Bible says he uses the water of his word. Now, God speaks to us. He's speaking all the time. The question of our series is, are we listening? But if we're living, reading his word, not favorite bits, but reading his word, his mind, when you're not even, his word, even when you're not feeling it, is changing your thinking. And it's washing your mind, all right? Listen to what it says in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives. Can all the wives say Amen. All right. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by his word, 
that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy and without blemish. Now, the Bible is using the example of a husband and a wife in the culture of Israeli life back in that time, but Jesus is liking it to him being our bridegroom and us being his bride, which is the church. And he says, just as a husband would prepare his bride without spot or blemish, so Jesus Christ is committed to making us without spot and without blemish. And the water that he uses is his word. Every time you read your Bible, you're allowing Jesus to wash your life. And he washes your life by changing your thinking. A couple of other translations. Cleansing her by the washing of the water. Uh, The Passion Translation, to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure, pure water of the word of God. And again, the Greek word for water there means bathing, the act of bathing, to be washed. So when we're allowing God's thoughts to come into our thinking, we're actually experiencing a brainwashing, which to me is actually a transformation. But it comes from God's word replacing data in the way that you think. So the second principle that we see here, the first principle was, if you want to hear God clearly, you've got to tune out to tune in. The second principle is, to hear God clearer, if that's your desire, you have to commit to a constant renewing of your mind by his word. If you want to be able to please what's, know what's pleasing, what his will, of, what his will is for your life, it's not something, it's not a spectator sport that you sit and watch. You have to say, all right, Lord, I'm ready for your thoughts, which is your word, to change the way I think when I like it and when I don't, when I can clap and when it makes me angry. Everybody still with me? Now, to me, the biggest example that we can use for, for this is the computer. Now, again, when I was, uh, I can remember when the first computers came out. Now, you're speaking to a guy but the only time he could use a phone, it had a wire joining it to a wall. That's how old I am. Some of the kids are looking at me like, how did you survive? Very well. Very well. Life before mobile phones was not that scary, kids. But I also remember when the first computers came in. They were huge and didn't do much at all. They were huge, but you could play tennis on them. Now they're not so big. Remember that? do do all the people around 40 or 50 are like, yeah, we're with you, Pastor Andy. Others are like, I don't even know what you're talking about today. I do it on my phone, all right? But you see, when you've got a computer, a more modern computer with a good hard drive, imagine if you bought one secondhand. What you were doing was getting a computer that once belonged or was under the influence of a person before you, right? So I go on to Facebook Marketplace and try not to get ripped off. I go onto Facebook Marketplace and I buy a computer from someone, so it's previously owned in context. Now, I get that computer from that person, it's now mine. It's mine, it's my computer. Now, the problem is it may be my computer, but it's still got his information on it because when he owned it, he spent years tapping in, this is what I think, this is what I think, this is what I think, this is how I think, this is how I think. So now I'm in possession of a computer, yet the hard drive is filled with wrong information. Partially wrong information, completely, all depends who it belonged to. So what I need to do now is take the computer, open it up, and begin to delete files by replacing them 
with my files. All right, what does God do in salvation? He purchases us with his blood from being a child of the devil, a child of the enemy. Colossians 1.13, he delivers us from darkness, brings us into the kingdom of the son of his love. But he doesn't take us through a car wash so that suddenly after being born again, you're going, I don't know who I am. Where do I even come from? That would be ridiculous. Which means even though we now belong to him, there's a lot of information on the hard drive of our life that's not good and it's, it's affecting the operating system of who we are. All right? I actually don't know much about computers, so this is sounding really professional. Uh, you know, some of the guys that know me, like, you can just about write an email. What's he even on about? You know, Stuart's laughing hysterically at the front. But come on, you understand this principle. If it belonged to him, his information's on it. I can't afford to leave his information on it, especially if he was involved in things that were the dark web. I need to delete information, but actually put replacement information on the hard drive because the computer is only ever going to outwork the programming on the hard disk. So God, with his own blood, purchases us to himself. He doesn't blank our mind, but he then leads us on a journey of having our mind renewed by his word. Data that's old out, new data in. Because actually there's not a computer that yet has been invented that matches the brain that God made. The ability your brain has to process information, they haven't made a computer and they haven't got a room big enough to match what God put in you. Come on, it's incredible. Do you ever think about it? I do because I'm kind of weird. Sometimes I'm like walking around a supermarket looking for Gina because she's lost in action. And I'm like, I only went over there and have a whole family of splitting up into five. This is like, this is like the cube, a game. And I'm walking down the aisles, and in one moment walking down the aisles, I can scan a whole aisle and work out Gina's not in that aisle by looking at the faces of every person, recognising that it's not Gina. Looking, We never think about this stuff. You're awesome. God's made you awesome. But what can affect you is when there's wrong information in your processor that's causing you to live out something that's not true. So what do we do? We make a decision... But we're going to allow God's word to remove the old way of thinking. Lord, I want to hear your voice. Brilliant, God speaking. But sometimes we don't hear because we don't like what he's saying because it doesn't align with the way that we may have been living. So we have a choice. Do we choose transformation where God supernaturally transforms us or do we just keep on making the apple pie when not even you are enjoying it that much? There's this expression that you used to get when it came to computers, and it was called GIGO. Anybody ever heard of GIGO, G-I-G-O? It stands for garbage in, garbage out. You can't expect your life to produce something that's not true to what you're putting into it. So if you've got garbage coming out of your life, it's probably because you had or you have garbage coming in. What you do is not beat yourself up every day. You change the garbage coming in. And then you'll change the life that's coming out. That's why the Bible says, you know, it, it's a renewing of the mind. Now, I've changed it from gigo to, to, to uh, riro. Righteous in, righteous out. 
But just as I once let garbage into my life and it processed and resulted in garbage coming out of my life, now I say, Lord, your righteousness in my life. And as I allow his righteousness to replace the garbage that was once on the file or the motherboard of who I am, suddenly everything in my world begins to change. Now stay with me, I'm going to bring this in for a landing now. Just a couple of key thoughts here. Think differently, live differently. But I'm not speaking of behavior modification, that's the world's version. I'm not speaking of mental ascent, that's the psychologist version. I'm talking about when a God in heaven can change everything in your life to being the best it can be by you allowing his voice to say what it needs to say. When we understand and hear the voice of God speaking to us in prayer or speaking to us through the word, I believe it gives clear definition to what things actually are. Because prior to knowing Jesus, me and you lived in the definition of the world. Suddenly, when you're following Jesus, you can understand that his word defines things differently. See, the world taught me what love was, and then I discovered it wasn't love that much at all. It was mostly lust. Because when I allowed God's thoughts about being love, bearing in mind he is love, I found that love isn't selfish. Love is kind. Love is patient. But there was nothing kind or patient about what I was calling love before because I was living in the definition of a world that's fallen. But when I allow the word of God to define things, being rich, oh, the world says being rich is this. If you're rich, it looks like this. Loads of money, bigger car, bigger house. Then suddenly you say, hey, Lord, would you speak to me and teach me what you think being rich is? And then suddenly the Lord begins to show you your family your friends, and you're delivered from an understanding of what being wealthy is because God's thoughts are now invading your stinking thinking, your old way of thinking and causing a transformation. It's all right, he's not attacking me, all right? It's a keyboard player. The other thing I want to throw in is actually allowing God to cause us to change our thinking is what true repentance really is. Whenever we speak about repentance, we get dramatic. We're like, I've just got to cry more. I've just got to sob more. Oh, the, the Bible's telling me to repent. I'm sorry. Knowing you're going to do it next week anyway. But we provide this emotional expression to what repentance is. When actually, if you study the word repent used by Jesus and Paul, it simply means this. Think different. That's what repent means in the New Testament. Think different. Think different. And that makes sense when you see Jesus pitching up in a world where everyone was confused. And he was saying, if you want to experience my world in this world, repent. Let's change the wording. If you want to experience my world in this world, think different. Think different. Think different. Because like we're going to start next week, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Your thinking is key. Somebody once wrote a book saying that the mind was a battlefield and the book was called The Battlefield of the Mind. It was a very good book actually, well written. But I think sometimes 
we cause our mind to be a battlefield because if there's a battlefield, there's two people contending to win. And sometimes we can allow our minds and our thinkings to be a battlefield that it was not meant to be. Because if you've got a battlefield, you've got one person this way going, we're going to win, we're going to win. Now, on the other side, you've got another person, we're going to win, we're going to win. What if a person in the middle made a decision, I don't want you to win, I give my life wholly for you to win. And they surrender their life to one of the two people on the battlefield. The argument's going to stop. But again, we don't like the thought of submitting our lives and surrendering our lives to a God that knows better than us. God doesn't change his ways because his ways are always perfect. So let's end today where we started. Here's your homework. Don't be conformed to the patterns and the ways of this world when they disagree with God's. Rather be transformed. Have your minds washed by the renewing of your mind. Then you're going to be able to hear him and understand what his will is that's good, pleasing and perfect. It's when you're committed to being transformed, you experience a divine brain scrub that you all needed, we all needed. But it's something that happens with the Holy Spirit using the word of God and he only ever has one result in mind for you and me you want to know what it is freedom freedom because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free not only will the truth set you free on initial meeting of it but it will keep you free when you have your mind in his thoughts about you. Did you get something today? Say, hey, we're going to carry this journey on next week and talk about how thoughts can determine directions in our lives. But I want to give an opportunity today for someone that's here and you say, I don't know God, Andy. Andy, I don't, this God you're talking of, I've seen religion, I've sung some carols at school. I don't know God. Now listen, God wants to know you. God doesn't want you to be religious. He wants you to experience a relationship with him. Isn't that incredible? That the maker of heaven and earth wants a relationship with me and you where he talks into our daily life. Not just big mechanical things like go to the ends of the earth, but I love you today. Go bless that person today. God's voice wants to be breaking into our daily world in a natural way. That's what I'm going after. This week, I've been inspired by my preaching. Even if you weren't, I was like last week, I was like, yeah, open my ears, God. I stopped bringing shopping lists this week and I've just spent a lot of time this week going, what's on your heart? I'm asking the creator of the universe what's on his heart. God wants a relationship with you. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, why wouldn't you? You've got nothing to lose. If this is all a lie, what have you lost? But what if it's true? How many people believe that this is true today? Take a look around. 
I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity afterwards just to do something seemingly insignificant. Just pop your hand up when I ask you. Because the Bible says if you believe in your heart, you will be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Now there's an instant to that. It means instantly if you were to die today, you would be present with God in heaven as a part of his family. But saved is also an ongoing, isn't it? From today, everything begins to change. So let's just pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. I believe in you, Jesus, that in you I receive forgiveness of sin, a brand new life, and a fresh start. I haven't got all the answers, but I want to start a relationship today by believing in you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to hear you. Let my ears be open. Amen. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you've been away from God and today is your comeback, that's amazing. We're so glad that it's your comeback today. But I'm going to ask you to do one thing for me. I'm going to ask you when I count to three, if you've prayed that prayer because you've never known him or you're coming back to God today, surrendering your life back to God, I'm going to ask you to do one thing, and that's to, when I say three, lift your hand. Nice and bold. One. Two. Three. God bless you. I see hand there from a lady, a hand from a gentleman there. Come on, you've got nothing to lose. Is there a third person a day you say, yeah, me too, I'm in. I'm up for this. I'm ready for my life to take on a new chapter. Lady responded there, gentleman behind her. Love that. Is there a third person? I know it takes courage and you've got to be brave. And All I can tell you is it's worth it. It's worth it. Father, I pray for these two people today that truly they would know something inside so real, changing. Thank you for them. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, 